What's going on, everybody? Welcome to our third Giants episode. I'm joined by my guy Hatcliff today. And Hat, you talk about a must-win game that they had to have in week four, down double digits in the fourth quarter. Somehow the boys pulled out in overtime. It was one of the best feelings just watching that game down the stretch, and I'm uh, ready to get into it and recap this. Yeah, I mean, it was a real refreshing experience for Giants fans, knowing that we've been really in some close games all season and just really couldn't figure out a way to get that final punch in. And this game was really just, like I said, super refreshing to see against a a middle-tier team like the Saints especially, too. Yeah, exactly. I think one of the biggest things that I was nervous about was that you kind of drop a couple early games to inferior opponents when you look at the rest of the schedule. Like the Washington football team hasn't been playing great, and you still go down to them. The Atlanta Falcons as well. You get them on the into the win column by losing that game on a last-second field goal. So you go on the road to Louisiana to a place where there's going to be fans there for the first time. It's a little nerve-wracking. I know early on in this game, too, the Giants offensively, like the first drive, they got blown up because their offensive line really couldn't block anybody on that first drive. And I was like, oh, boy, we might be in for a long day and stuff like that. But listen, the Giants defense, they kind of held held us upright, at least for the meantime. Our offense really couldn't get going. I know uh, Rosas missed an early kick. Then they had a huge fourth down stop on a Camara swing route. So, I mean, at least on the defensive side of the ball, it felt a little refreshing to finally get some timely stops in that first half. Yeah, the defense looked good, and they've been, I feel like, doing better every week as we've gone along, like not having too many mistakes. Um, And they did carry us in that first half for sure before the offense could really figure it out. Yeah, I mean, really the only source of life that we had in the first half on offense. um, I mean, we moved the ball. We had a dead drive kind of because Graham Gano missed his first field goal, which, first of all, the announcers, of course, absolutely had to jinx. What else is new? But uh, John Ross catches a 52-yard touchdown pass from Daniel Jones. First of all, you couldn't put a ball anywhere better from Jones. Uh, they saw something in a couple other drives, so they were like, you know what, on our first play of this drive, let's take a shot. And a uh, good call by Jason Garrett and John Ross. First, I believe, yeah, that was his first catch as a giant. Ends up being a 52-yard touchdown. Uh, I think he adds a little bit of a like different threat, in a sense, when you put him with like, Gallaudet and Kadarius Tony, who was out there with – um. On Sunday, I think he's like kind of similar in the sense to Slayton, where he's like, we're going to use him as like a deep, like a deep threat. But uh, I, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a big fan of John Ross. I thought he played pretty well today. I thought he made some big catches as well in overtime. So uh, uh, I hope, especially this week with uh, more opportunities, able to keep shining. Yeah, John Ross, there's no reason why that guy can't be a fourth receiver on this team. Um, Tony looked great as well, and he's really going to come along as a go to guy for this team, I believe. But like you said, John Ross was the one who got the spark going for us, beating two guys deep, and Danny put the ball on the money. Uh, he he performed really well when he was asked to do so. He hasn't had any opportunities yet this season. He comes into this game and really revived the offense um, when we when we looked pretty bad to start the game. Yeah, for sure. You mentioned John Ross again, former first rounder, had a tough tenure with the Cincinnati Bengals, but we all know that dude can fly, broke the record at the combine by running a 4-2-2, 40-yard dash. You also mentioned Kadarius Tony, and me and Novella the past couple weeks have been stressing so much how Jason Garrett, you have to find ways to get Kadarius Tony the ball, no matter how it is. And I mean, you could just see when he has the ball in his hand how electric he is. The guy refuses to get tackled. He makes the first defender miss every single time. One of the great, like my favorite play, one of them of this game 
was Kadarius Tony on like third and 18, catching a screen pass and taking it for a first down. Now, if you ask me, I really think he honestly was short, but he sold it pretty good. He got up real quick, started pointing down like he got a first down, and the refs on kind of bought it. I thought he was like a yard short and something like that. But again, you just get a play. Like when a play like that happens, it just sparks an offense. Hey, everybody can rally around something like that. He caught like another crossing out. He caught a slant where he's able to make another guy miss. He's going crazy up like the left sideline after he crossed fields, spinning and juking people. It's just like when you get these electric guys with the ball, like things will happen and it will get your offense like rolling on all cylinders. And that time, like this past Sunday, you could finally watch the Giants and be like, all right, Kadarius Tony, like that, that is the reason why he's the first round pick. So I love that. Jason Garrett. After taking a step back, if you ask me, against the Atlanta Falcons, definitely took a step forward again against the Saints this past weekend. Yeah, and Tony, like you said, he's our first-round pick, and we really haven't been using him at all up until this game. He finally gets an opportunity with Slayton going down and Shepard going down to be like, all right, you're the second option um, as a receiver this game. And I think he was used very well. They put him out there to make some big plays to start with some screen passes and just opportunities to get him some yards after catch. And then they started going to what I liked the most out of it was how he had that one tough drop on a slant, but he was running like good slants and he was, he was making key third down conversions in the fourth quarter and in overtime as well. So just showing that he is not just that guy who is a playmaker after the catch, but can run a solid route and get open. That was huge for me to see too. Yeah, and you even mentioned, too, like, even with that drop, like, Daniel Jones still trusts him. He still goes back to him in big situations. And, yeah, I remember there was one point in the game he's pointing out to, like, um, Jones that he's got a mismatch. He had, like, C.J. Gardner-Johnson was a safety. Actually, they both played college football together at Florida. So, I mean, Tony's probably ran a couple routes against him. Knows he has maybe an advantage there. He's, like, pointing to Jones. He's like, look, man, like, I got an advantage here. Like, let me get the ball. And, honestly, they catch the ball on that play. So, I think that's kind of a little veteran move right there from the rookie. But I'm excited to see how Tony is used in the future. Uh, We've mentioned a lot of guys on this offense, but I mean, our offense really relies on two stars in the sense of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. I guess we'll get into Saquon first because these two guys really stepped up and we needed them the most. I mean, Barkley finally started running again a lot better. He just seems like every single week he's getting more comfortable. This week he was up to like 89% of snaps and he was able to kind of see something on a play too early on in the game. And then later was like, yo, uh, Danny, if, uh, you get whatchamacallit, if you kind of can look Marshawn Lattimore down onto Evan Ingram, like, I'm going to run right by him and score the touchdown. Worked to perfection, had a 54-yard touchdown in the fourth quarter when the Giants were down 11. They needed that so bad after the defense just got a huge three and out to kind of come back with a quick score like that. It really kind of made you feel like, all right, maybe we got a chance with this comeback. And then obviously Saquon runs that six-yard touchdown at the end. I mean, I guess I'll say it felt like vintage Saquon. I mean, the guy, again, one of the most talented backs out there. So I'm just so happy to kind of see him get back into full speed and get more comfortable with that knee. Yeah, like you said, he's really just been getting more comfortable as the games have gone on. Um, I was not going to lie. I was a little nervous after the first two games. He looked a little nervous running the ball. Um, He was falling down without anybody touching him. Uh, But this game, he really just exploded and showed us flashes of his real potential and what he was those first few years as a giant. And like you said about that play for that uh, receiving touchdown, that's the kind of play that makes good players. Great. Just being able to point that out. And before the, even the play happens and let your quarterback know, I'm going to be open on this play. If you do your thing, if you do the right thing here. So he really, he really was the reason why we took that game and how we 
th- why we were thriving on offense later in the game. He had some big runs, had a few key catches, and he just he's starting to look like he's back to normal. And I'm with Danny playing so well recently. I really am excited to see what they can do together. Yeah, really. I mean, through Daniel Jones' career, we've kind of been robbed of like a full healthy Saquon and a full like performing Daniel Jones in a sense. I mean, obviously 2020, you got that one game early on when they were both playing. But uh, 2019, when Jones comes in, Barkley gets hurt and then Barkley comes back. They never full strength. But I guess that like Washington game in 2019, they were both fully healthy. I know Barkley mm-hmm. ran crazy that game. Jones had five touchdowns and stuff like that. But yeah, one thing that also I, I just want to mention with Barkley, they have to, I think they should use him out wide more like they kind of did because again, this guy is a complete back. Like he's a good pass catcher, get him the, get him the ball in space. Sometimes it's just easier to get him the ball in space when you line him up and have him run a hit route or something like that, or have him run right by a defender and stuff. So I'd like to see them continue to get him the ball in space uh, in different ways. And I mean, you mentioned Daniel Jones starting to play a lot better. Obviously, I think Giants fans' number one concern this year was figuring out if Daniel Jones was a franchise quarterback. And again, the guy just continues to put together game after game. This time, finally gets in the win column. But 402 passing yards, two touchdowns. I think the numbers, one, tell you the story of how good he was. But more importantly, just like leading a double-digit comeback and stuff like that. You can look to that and be like, all right, that's our guy. When we needed a score at the end of the game, he got us into field goal range. NFC Offensive Player of the Week, well-deserved for Daniel Jones, for a team that kind of let him down, if you want to say, uh, in weeks two and three. The, the rest of the team finally stepped up, and Jones rose to the occasion and finally got us into the win column. Um, completely impressed with Daniel Jones in a sense. I feel a lot. I was always high on Daniel Jones. I'm even higher on him now, seeing how he's taking the next step in his development, and I'm pumped to see the rest of the season how Danny plays out. Yeah, the main thing for me with Danny, too, is just he's not turning the ball over at all. He has two turnovers, I think, this season. And mm-hmm. one, of, one of them's that interception at the end of half, which really doesn't count. He breaks the interception streak that he was on of not throwing one. And he's just been really good with keeping the ball safe. And like you said, when the team plays well around this guy, he's going to rise to the occasion. He's had some struggles trying to make up for the rest of the team's mistakes, whether it's someone getting beat on the offensive line and him holding the ball too long and then fumbling or just not having anybody open and throwing the ball into contested passes. But you see guys like Tony getting open, Galladay getting open, and Saquon running the ball well, the offensive line blocking for him well, and he's going to make plays on offense. He just needs the guys around him to help him out a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Daniel Jones finally got that help, if you ask me, this past week uh, from nearly everybody. I mean, Kenny Galladay, too. We haven't mentioned him. I mean, you talk about a guy finally getting involved in this offense. And I thought Kenny Galladay would have a tough matchup with Marshawn Lattimore. Lattimore didn't shadow him as much as I thought. But again, even in overtime on a huge third down uh, on that last drive, too, as well, when they kicked the field goal. Finally, it's like, all right, we paid you all this money to to get these key conversions. And finally, it's good to know that Jones and Gallaudet still have that connection, especially after they kind of uh, had the little incident on the sideline. I know Kenny Gallaudet will tell you that he was yelling at Jason Garrett, but uh, I think it might've been a little at Jones. But another person or another group, I should say, that deserves all the recognition for this game, the offensive line. I mentioned earlier that the first drive, the offensive line got kind of blown up a little bit. But I mean, this Saints defense is no joke. They're one of the top defenses in the league to allow zero sacks and only eight pressures is unbelievable. Andrew Thomas seems like he's becoming like a franchise left tackle for sure. I mean, the growth in his game already from like week one to week four is noticeable. 
And I don't think it's a coincidence that as Daniel Jones has started to play so well, it's also because Andrew Thomas is playing so well. Um, Matt Skura, the new left guard, the fourth different left guard in four games, again, had a great game. Uh, there was even like one play, too. I'm, I think it was it was either on the two-point conversion or it was on that – I think it was on the two-point conversion. You had like Skura, Billy Price, and Andrew Thomas absolutely bullying a couple Saints left ta- uh, Saints defensive tackles. They pancake like all t- – like both of them. So it's just something you like to see in that. Eight pressures and zero sacks from an offensive lineman is a great game. Uh, from a whole unit, I should say. And uh, again, a unit that we're always worried about going into every game, but they were able to keep Danny upright and definitely were a huge reason why we won this game. Yeah, for sure. It seems like all season that they've really been protecting Danny fairly well, and especially just so much better than last season. I was pretty nervous when um, the first preseason game when Andrew Thomas was just getting blown up really bad. Um, But he's really just like you said, developed from week one to week four, even getting better every game, really not allowing pressures or sacks. And um, the rest of the offensive line, they, they end up following your left tackle. So I was really happy to see that. Still some problems with uh, the run blocking, I'll say. But the pass, the pass blocking has been some a, a really nice sight to see from a Giants fan who's seen pretty brutal offensive lines for a long time now. Yeah, I agree with you. I think – uh, they, it goes with the left tackle. And I got a couple even stats here from Andrew Thomas. I mean, his like pass blocking grade, according to pro football focus, it's at 79. It's the highest than any offensive tackle drafted in the last three years. So I agree with you in the sense that I was very nervous seeing him against that like third preseason game, the first one that all the starters played. I believe it was against the Patriots. He looked real bad in that game. But yeah, it that growth from week one to week four and stuff like that. Uh, Rob, uh, of course, I'm blanking on the guy's name. I mentioned his name, too. The, the, the offensive line coach used to be from Georgia, too. He's done a phenomenal job with this unit. Again, losing Nick Gates, losing Shane Lemieux, even Bredesen uh, coming in, getting him ready to play, and then losing him. Like th- This guy's had a brutal – like a like been handed a tough task and he's kind of ran away with it. I mean, even switching, like helping Nate soldier adjust from the left side to the right side. I know Nate soldier still isn't like a flashy play, but like, you know what I mean? He's, he's holding his own at least. I mean, maybe in the first game, you'd say not, not as much, but he's starting at least attempt to hold his own. So what they've able to do with the offensive line, I've just been pretty impressed with. And I, I hope it continues that way. And we're able to keep getting better as maybe we get some more continuity, on that line, I, I think this might this might be the first week that all five starters uh, also play again this week. But we have to wait and see. There's a couple guys on the injury report. But Hat, I want to bring up one more thing, one unit that, again, deserves some credit. Our situational defense and stuff like that. I thought our defense at times the first couple weeks could not get off the field on third down. But there were a couple key moments I remember early on in this game. Dexter Lawrence kind of blows up a screenplay early on, forces them, uh, the Saints to, like, punt or they missed a field goal or something like that, whatever. It led to no points, I remember. Logan Ryan also made a huge like pass breakup on third down with Kamara, and then it leads to, again, no points. They had a big fourth down stop on a pitch to Kamara. And this defense that we've talked so high on about last year, they, like I said, kind of took a step back. But in a game that was low scoring, that the Saints controlled a lot of the clock because the Giants really had like two big touch, like two one-play touchdown drives, uh, they were able to kind of bend in this game, and they were able to like, yeah, they took some yards on the ground and stuff like that. But when it mattered, they were able to get some big stops down the stretch for sure. Yeah, another big thing too um, that you didn't mention was Bradbury's interception. Yep, in that you're game right too. Um, a quick punt from the Giants' offense, and then turn it around right away and get a pick. So that was something that I saw that was really big. Uh, the de- the defense held their own all game, I'd say, coming 
even with the Giants offense really not controlling the clock whatsoever, like you said, we had some big plays that resulted in touchdowns, but we weren't really having these big drives. There was I remember there was one big drive in the first half that just resulted in no points. So they they did really hold their own well. Dexter Lawrence has been making up for that mistake on that on that offsides for the Washington football team's game winning field goal. But I think I think they really are just starting to gel together a little bit more. Had some shaky starts in the beginning of the season and they're just playing well together. They're a good unit. They we really do have some talent on that defense. So I was a little nervous to start the season seeing them really underperform for what I thought they could do. But the Saints are no joke on defense and they're no joke on offense. So we performed well this game, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, listen, you could even say that maybe the Saints, like obviously the first year with Jameis Winston and stuff like that as the starting quarterback. So maybe they're a little sluggish on offense. They don't have Michael Thomas back. But listen, Sean Payton is still one of the best offensive minds in football. You know, it's never going to be an easy test going against Sean Payton and stuff like that. But hat. I mean, one last thing I want to kind of get on before we get into the next part of our show. We were mentioning how I mentioned, at least going into week three after you lost the game to Washington, like beating Atlanta, like that was so must win or like your season outlook, like any playoff aspirations might go out the window because at 0-3 with your toughest part of the schedule coming up, uh, it's going to be real difficult to kind of make up these games that you just kind of dropped. But going on the road is like a seven and a half point underdog beating the Saints who are I don't want to say a playoff team, but definitely a fringe playoff team. You know what I mean? They've had some big, big victories. They just blew out the Patriots the week before. I mean, do, do the Giants at least give you some a lot, a lot more promise in the sense that they can kind of compete for a playoff spot? Maybe not ex- exactly win, but now they're giving themselves a chance to compete for a playoff spot. I mean, we we do have that leeway uh, due to the 17th game, so I'm still I'm still kind of doubting the chance that we can make the playoffs. I'm not really trying to get – I'm not trying to overhype this win. It was a huge win. It was a refreshing win, and we played well. But with Dallas looking very good to start this season, and the rest of the NFC just really has been performing. So I'm I'm kind of doubting that we have a chance at a wild card spot. But we'll, we'll see how it goes. I mean, we did just beat a team that is really a middle-of-the-pack team, a fringe playoff team that we were not supposed to compete with. And I think with – like you said, some more continuity on the offensive line. We we can make a push depending on just how we play against, especially our division opponents going forward and some of the higher quality NFC teams. Yeah, I agree with you. I'll kind of take, make my stance a little later when we do our game preview and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I think at least we give ourselves a chance, especially in those games against our division and stuff like that. Yes, we're going to need to probably have another impressive win against the team that uh, at least like, you know what I mean? They're, be- they're better than us. That's simple as it. I'll put it straight out there. You, you got, you're going to have to probably upset a team or two. I mean, they got a ton of tough teams on the schedule. But, yeah, I think um, this was a good start, at least, to get back on the right track. I think maybe the train was a little derailed. Now the train's back on the tracks. And it's almost like, let's see where we can go from here. Uh, hat, uh, that kind of wraps up our, our game recap in a sense. But now I kind of want to – listen – Obviously, it was a great week. We could be all happy and stuff like that, but we can't get blinded in the sense of there's some a couple areas of concern on this team. The one thing I will say is like, yes, the Saints were on the field a ton this week. So obviously, they're rushing yards. You know what I mean? They were able to move the football. But one thing that frustrated me a lot this week, uh, they got one stop on it when it was a big third down stop. So I'll give them credit on that at least. But Taysom Hill in the quarterback run game gave them troubles all day on third down. Sean Payton went to that QB counter and he was able to get it, like I said, except for that one last time. So good to the defense for adjusting at least. 
but two touchdowns on the ground for Taysom Hill. It just seems like what like the quarterback run game. Exactly. Listen, I know the Taysom Hill like design quarterback runs are a lot different from what you'll see, but it seems like the Giants maybe missing Blake Martinez a little bit there. Maybe even Dalvin Tomlinson, a guy from last year who they didn't were able to bring back, kind of maybe missing on that because you know what I mean. When you're running with the quarterback there, you have one the offense is one extra blocker, so it's one like you kind of need another defender in the box and something like that. So hopefully Tate Crowder. Uh, Reggie Ragland was another guy who got a lot of snaps last week and step up and stuff like that because I think that was something that was giving us a lot of trouble. Yeah, from from the beginning of the season, really, even when we did have Blake Martinez playing, I felt like tackling has been a real issue for this defense. Mm-hmm. Like you said last week, uh, the big plays that we made, Dexter Lawrence blowing up a screen. That doesn't really take too much skill tackling-wise. It was a great play, but you had he had him in his arms right away. Uh, Logan Ryan, big pass breakup, and James Bradbury, big interception. There's not really we're not really blowing guys up when we're tackling them. And Taysom Hill really exposed that flaw in our defense, especially without having Blake Martinez there. We really haven't seen a guy who's going to go out and just go out there and get 12, 15 tackles in the game and really just bruise the other team. So Taysom Hill just definitely exposed that. So that's that's definitely a cause for concern going forward, especially with the game that we're going to be going against Ezekiel Elliott, who's a really a bully at the running back position. So that definitely has me a little concerned going forward. Yeah. I think it's something again, that we kind of lived with in the game against the saints, but it's something that maybe like can be exposed and uh, like, as the season goes on, teams might look at it and be like, all right, look, like they're struggling against this. You know what I mean? That front seven, I'd say probably the strength, I don't know. I feel like we have a pretty balanced defense. I wouldn't really lean one way or another. I think we're more talented in the secondary, but I wouldn't say like the secondary is a complete, sh- like, like, you know what I mean? Like, is the strength of our defense where, like, the uh, front seven is severely lacking behind it? I don't know. We got some good players on our front seven as well. So, uh, I think, again, it just comes to the defense becoming to play together as a whole unit. Uh, a lot of guys getting more comfortable now that Martinez is gone. Tate Crowder stepping up into a bigger role. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see, I guess. I know Jabril Peppers, too, uh, in the second half of that game, got injured. He won't be playing this week. We'll get into that in a little bit. So, that's something. That's, again, a big piece that misses, especially uh, – from a run support spot and even like defending uh, safeties and running backs in coverage, uh, defending tight ends and running backs in coverage and stuff like that. One other area had that I mean, the Giants are just all like Jason Garrett. Yes, I I, I want to sing him praise first because Jason Garrett called a great game. He was able to get Daniel Jones like working. Uh, I mean, it also helped that Jones again was was able to stay upright. But again, he's running crossing routes. He's he's uh, drawing up plays for Kenny Gallaudet and stuff like that. Tony's getting some looks and stuff, but. The red zone offense is just disgusting. It's been brutal all year. I, I don't have the stats on it. I'd love to know how many times we've been inside the 10-yard line and, and settled for field goals. It's gross. Like, this week, we had, like, a long drive again. We had to settle for a field goal. And, like, one of the plays on the series was Evan Ingram got, like, a tight end sweep. Oh, like, my God. Like, like it was, it was it, we had, like, first and goal at the three or whatever. Saquon doesn't really get anywhere on first down. Second down from, like, the four-yard line, we give Evan Ingram a tight end sweep and stuff. Like, it's just a dead play, man. Like, yeah, I love Evan Ingram. He's a good playmaker. Get him the ball different ways in the red zone instead of giving him a tight end sweep. Uh, that play should just not be in the playbook. If anybody's getting an end around, it should be Kadarius Tony, and that's it. So, uh, Garrett, I'm begging you, can you please figure out something with this red zone offense? Because that's, that is a common theme that I think I've spoken about every single week, that the red zone offense just has to pick up because you can't leave points on the board consistently uh, in the money zone. Yeah, man. I mean, I just saw that play happening, and I already knew that it was going to get blown up. We haven't been able to run an end around all season. Nobody's getting caught off guard by it. Um, like, 
you run the ball with Saquon on first down. It's not a bad play call. Like you want to get the ball to your star running back, but I don't. I just really don't know. Like you said, get Evan Ingram the ball in a different way. He can break down a linebacker and make a play in the end zone. He's that's what he's made for. He's 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 a good player. He can make some plays, but that's just not the way to do it. Um, I've been ner- yeah, I've been nervous in the red zone every single time that we've had the ball. I feel like we have like a bunch of plays this season that our touchdowns are resulting in some bigger plays outside at least the 10 yard line. So I'm, I'm hoping to see maybe some improvement there. Maybe now that Saquon's looking a little better and a little more comfortable, we can draw up some better plays for him. And I don't know. I really don't know. And like you said, with Tony too, he's, he's a guy that you can go to to make some plays in the red zone. We'll see how it goes. I think they really need to target Galladay a little more in the red zone too. He's a guy who can win a jump ball. Just, the end around, man. It was just a brutal play in that game. But you know what? We did capitalize at the end of the game in the red zone, handing the ball to Saquon, offensive line, held their own block well, and he got in. So hopefully maybe see some improvement going forward. Yeah, I think one thing, too, that I'd like to see more in the red zone is let's have, especially like inside the 10-yard line, let's get some more QB design runs for Daniel Jones. Like We just saw how much trouble it gave uh, the Giants with Taysom. Oh, look, I know you don't want your quarterback taking a ton of hits, but, I mean, if he's going to walk into the end zone, maybe not getting hit, you know what I mean? Block it up right, and you should be good. So, yeah, again, that's just another thing for defense to think about. And I mean, we've been good on two-point conversions. I know Jan- Daniel Jones already, off the top of my head, he had one conversion last week against the Falcons where he ran through Grady Jarrett. This week, that was the play where those guys on the offensive line, just if, please go watch that play if you haven't seen it. They absolutely bullied the Saints front, and Daniel Jones able to walk into the end zone. So, for the two points. So yeah, I would like to see maybe a little Jones or maybe that's something that could spark us um, in the red zone or something like that. One last thing I want to get into before uh, we move on to like our next thing, the defense before halftime. It's the fourth time this season that we've given up a touchdown in the final two minutes of the first half. And if you're counting at home, we played four games. So that means every single game we've done it. Some weeks it's unlucky. I think last week against the Falcons, they had like an eight minute drive. So, you know what I mean? It kind of rolled over into the final two minutes, but again, like, you can't allow for that quick double up where if like the Saints are getting the ball at half or another team's getting the ball at half, you can't allow them to score, give your offense no time then, and then get the ball right back. You know what I mean? Sometimes you just got to get off the field before half. That's something that definitely has to change. It almost seems like maybe when the Giants, when the Giants even get sped up in a sense, when offenses are starting to get into tempo, it's giving the Giants a little bit of trouble. So we have to figure that out because we, we can't allow points before halftime every single game. Yeah, and we've, we've to this point been the worst – team in the league in the final two minutes with point differential we haven't scored at all either and I'm not really blaming the offense on that again it's the defense just not being able to perform with tempo um it's kind of been the same thing too in the fourth quarter too when you look at the games against the Redskins and the Falcons like they do drive down the field in those final two minutes and kick game-winning field goals so it definitely is cause for concern that we haven't been playing well against tempo um, I think I don't really know what to do about it. I just think we, we've had some costly penalties, too, when that and during that time, just giving up big plays, having mistakes just because the defense isn't set. But I, I don't really know what to do about it. But that's just something that really needs. We can't be giving up points, like you said, in the final two minutes, every single game that we play, especially when a team is a turnaround to get the ball back in the, in the second half. I will say this. Look. 
the defense, they did get the stop when they absolutely needed to late in the second half of this game with three minutes left. But again, that's something that it can't be overshadowed again, where you just can't get off the field, have to start doing that because the Saints did get the ball to start to happen. Yes. And they did score. They did score a quick touchdown too, right in the first half. Who's the long pass to? Oh, Callaway. Marquise Callaway caught like um like a 50-yard pass or something like that that set up like a quick drive for the Saints to score coming out of halftime again. So you let up the touchdown right before half, then it just expands the lead too much and kind of almost makes the lead feel insurmountable at a time. Thankfully, though, the Giants were able to figure it out this week. Hat, there's one other thing I want to bring up before we get into our game preview and stuff like that. I think the biggest area of need right now, surprisingly, isn't the offensive line. I think with the offensive line just being healthy and uh, continuing to get better every week playing together, I think that need might they go to the back burner, in a sense, to our pass rush. Uh, we have a total of six sacks on the year. It's like third lowest in the league. We had zero sacks this past week against the Saints. Uh, I think Aziz Ojolari has three of our sacks, too. We don't have a premier pass rush. We really don't have a good secondary pass rush either. I think besides Ojolari, guys like Lorenzo Carter and uh, Jimenez have kind of str- – or Jimenez have struggled this year. Um do you think that maybe the Giants should go out and trade for a pass rusher? Especially, I think, one area that we're a little, like, extra. And I think we have one and extra safety. I mean, Jabot Pepper's a little banged up. But, like, Julian Love, I think, could be an interesting trade piece. I'm not saying go get a premier edge rusher or something like that. But maybe something uh, low tier. And a wide receiver as well, I think. Maybe you put a Darius Slayton or, as much as it would hurt me, a Sterling Shepard on the trade block and see if you could bring back some defensive help to uh, get after the quarterback. I mean, I, I, I don't see uh... – Sterling Shepard going anywhere at the moment just because of his impact on the culture of the team, I think. But I'm really feeling like it's maybe Darius Slayton's time has come to an end and he can be a guy that goes on the trade block to get that pass rusher. But I'm really not sure how it goes. I, I'm not positive that we go out and make a play for a pass rusher. Maybe we look, we look in the draft. We have two first-round picks next year. Especially with the way the season's going, it's not like we're really winning games. It's not like we're making a playoff push. So we might not want to trade possibly draft picks or pieces of the team that we could find valuable for the future. Um, but yeah, like Ojolari has been the only guy who can get any pressure really. Um, it's been sad to see Lorenzo Carter's time has really just come to an end. I think too, he's just not, he has not performed the way that the team has thought he might. And he's probably someone that won't receive too much playing time, hopefully for the rest of the season or going into next year for sure. Uh, I, I'm excited to see what we do about it. But I don't I don't see anything really happening soon with getting a pass rusher. Yeah, I think that would more like come down to the Giants winning right right now. If they rattle off a couple wins and they truly think that they could make a run to the playoffs and something like that, then add that piece. Maybe can put them over the top. But you mentioned Card. I believe he's coming back from a torn Achilles as well. So hopefully you think as the season goes on, he's able to get more comfortable with that. I know Achilles, one of the toughest injuries to come back in all of sports. But uh, yeah, it's kind of a shame the guy's a former third-round pick. I think the talent is there, but he just hasn't been able to put it on the field and produce, uh, put up some numbers for us. So I'd like to see maybe a step up for Lorenzo Carter in his game. But Hat, that's going to bring us to our game preview. And this week, we got one of our biggest rivals, the Dallas Cowboys, who are riding a three-game win streak. They just beat the undefeated Carolina Panthers, which I personally kind of expected. I thought the Panthers hadn't seen the offense like the Cowboys. But one thing that I'll say about the Cowboys, I mean, as good as they've been offensively, their defense has taken a huge step up. I think it's going to be a good test for the Giants. Uh, Obviously, they just played a good Saints defense. But this Cowboys defense, where early in the year, you're like, all right, maybe this defense is going to hold them back from potentially making a run uh, to the playoffs. I think their defense has really stepped up and has done a good job of playing complimentary football to Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and all those receivers they have. 
Yeah, this is the first year that I'm really looking at the Cowboys and thinking, this is a team that can compete in the playoffs. This is a team that can really go out there and beat any team out there, I think, when it comes to the NFC. Um, I'm scared for the Giants this week. I think the Cowboys are really just that team that they have a chance to kind of run away with this game if we don't perform well. We play like we if we play like we did against the Falcons or the Redskins or I mean, I'm sorry the football team. So I'm really not sure how this game's going to go. Zeke has really been better each game as they've gone along. Along, Dak's been very solid too, and uh, Diggs has just been he's been the defensive player of the year to start this season. So I'm a little yeah, nervous sure. going made- forward. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Trayvon Diggs was someone I was definitely going to kind of bring up. I think him, uh, probably, I'm assuming he's going to get Kenny Gallaudet. I know he was shadowing Mike Evans early on in the year, and Mike Evans did not have a good game on that first opening game of the year. So I'd love to see that matchup almost. I'd love to see how Daniel Jones kind of approaches it. Diggs does lead the league in interceptions. He has five of them through four games, which is just ridiculous and stuff like that. A guy who wasn't able to really be consistent at all last year in his rookie year, really coming into his own and stuff like that, putting together a huge year. So I'd love to see that matchup between Kenny Gallaudet and Trayvon Diggs. And if kind of Diggs phases out Gallaudet in a sense, um, with no Sterling Shepard, with no Darius Slayton for the second straight week, we're going to need guys like Kadarius Tony and John Ross again to step into prominent pass catching roles and Evan Ingram as well. You know what I mean? Kind of step into these roles and uh, take some of the pressure away from Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay. Yeah, this is going to be a huge week for Kadarius Tony, I think, to really again prove that he's a worthy first round pick. He, he had a great game, obviously, last week and stepped into that role as the second receiver. But with Diggs on um, Galladay this week, I feel like he's going to be the guy who's possibly the go-to guy. Um, Evan Ingram has had his own struggles this year. Saquon, obviously, is going to be getting a lot of handoffs in the run game. But Tony's going to be getting the ball. He's going to get a bunch of targets this week, I think. And I think it's really an opportunity to prove himself against one of the better teams in the league. Yeah, listen, DJ Moore, though, last week for Carolina was able to have a big week. I'm not 100% sure how much Trayvon Diggs shadows and stuff like that. So I think that's something to look forward to. I'm not saying Kenny Otto is going to be completely phased out, but I do agree with you that Tony will have to, again, prove why he was this first shot pick. You know what I mean? But get him the ball, and I think he'll easily be able to do that. I think he is that talented. Um, staying on the injury front, I mentioned no Shepard, no Slayton. We'll also be without Jabril Peppers, which I think is a tough loss in our secondary. But again, I think we have enough depth there where Xavier McKinney now will just step into a more prominent role and stuff like that, which I'm not upset with. I think McKinney's one of the most talented players on our defense, or at least has a chance to become one of the best players on our defense. He just needs uh, more experience and stuff like that. But, Hat, I think one big red flag right now on our injury report is Andrew Thomas is questionable. He had offseason foot surgery. He's saying it's a little sore. Uh, they say he's questionable right now. I mean, if Andrew Thomas were to not go, it would be a huge blow to this team, obviously, how good he's been playing. But, um, I really hope he does play. They say hope they hope he's going to play. I wouldn't be surprised maybe if he's rotated out here or there. That might mean we see Matt Pert, who I'm kind of terrified to see because the fact that our offensive line early in the year wasn't playing too good, we were missing a lot of guys, and Matt Pert was never like thrusted into a starting role almost makes me seem like, all right, this guy maybe isn't ready at all. So I'm just hoping uh, Andrew Thomas's foot can uh, feel a lot better when he wakes up uh, come Sunday morning and he's able to give it a go. Yeah, all you can really do is hope with that kind of thing. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him getting rotated in and out just because that might just be a strategy thing to keep to make sure that he's staying healthy if he's getting a little sore as the game goes on. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, the Giants are big underdogs in this game. 
I'm hoping that they can put up a good performance, but who knows? Um, and if it really starts going downhill early on, too, he might just be ruled out. I'm hoping that's not the case. I'm confident the Giants can put up a good performance against this team, but Andrew Thomas is going to play a huge role if they do put up a great performance this week. Yeah, he definitely will. I think another unit that will have to play a huge role will be this defense. I mean, this is the best offense that they've seen to date. You know, they really haven't seen like an explosive offense. I mean, the Broncos were honestly pretty decent on the offensive side of the ball with how well Teddy Bridgewater played. But yeah, Dak Prescott's going to be the best quarterback you've played to date. Ezekiel Elliott, one of the top backs, if not the best back that you've seen. Obviously, Cooper, CeeDee Lamb. Uh, they got Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin at tight ends. No Michael Gallup at receiver. I believe he's still out um, nursing a ankle injury. So. I think, again, the defense, I'm interested to see how they play. I think we maybe see a little bit more of Darnay Holmes this week. Cowboys like to go in a lot of passing sets, a lot of three receiver sets and stuff like that. So maybe more man coverage, especially with Jabril Peppers out. So you're playing McKinney and Ryan as your two safeties. And then Holmes kind of becomes that fifth defensive back instead, where normally it would be like Peppers. So I'd love to see that. I think maybe that's Patrick Graham uh, adjusting to what he thinks he's going to see from Dallas. But you mentioned even earlier that Ezekiel Elliott is kind of Ezekiel Elliott can be a bully in the run game. So I don't want to completely like oversell on this pass game because this Dallas offensive line kind of seems to be a little bit more in rhythm with running the ball this year, especially over the past couple weeks. So I'd be afraid in a sense to um, not load the box enough and have Ezekiel Elliott kind of run all over us. I think that's something though that Graham will have to adjust to as the game goes. But more importantly, this is kind of revenge from last game, from last year and that game that they played. I believe it was actually week five of last year as well when Dak Prescott got an injury in that game. Obviously, the gruesome one with his ankle and stuff like that. But Andy Dalton was able to come in. The Giants were, lost that game. I believe the final was 37-34 on a last-second field goal by Greg Zerline. So, again, you're going back to Jerry's world. I think this is a big spot for the Giants to kind of prove some people wrong. Uh, one other thing, I think they're going to be amped to come out for this game because Troy Aikman was saying how, like, the Giants aren't to Dallas's class. He said uh, – I forgot what he said it on. I saw it on Twitter, though. Uh, one of the reporters was uh, quoting him and stuff like that. So I think the Giants will be fired up for this game and coming off a one-road win where they were about seven-point underdogs being seven-point underdogs again. Uh, maybe um, they can spark some magic again and uh, ultimately, like, make a true step in the right direction in the NFC playoff picture. Yeah, um, they are big underdogs in this game. I definitely think the Giants can keep this game close. I don't see why they can't. I think one thing to look at for sure is, are we going to be able to get pressure on Prescott? We can't give him all day to throw with the amount of weapons that he has. And Pressure's been a really big problem with our defense this season. Um, maybe draw up some blitzes, do, do some different things to try to confuse uh, the quarterback and get some pressure on him early. And we just need to see our defensive front really perform if I think we're going to have a solid game against the Cowboys, Dak is going to ha, does have a revenge game here against the Giants. I think he's going to want to go and blow us out. But that's the way that Dallas and New York always are. It's always a game where the players are fired up and ready to go and perform. So I'm excited to see the game. I think the Giants are going to make it a game. Um, but the Cowboys are just really such a high-powered team, high-powered offense with some stars on defense too. So you got to look out for that. Yeah, for sure. Um, that, Like I said, that defensive unit, I mean, they just did lose Jalen Smith, but I'm sure that they're not going to even skip a beat because if they're cutting Smith, they, they know better than us that uh, 
they're, they're probably going to be better off without him and stuff like that, giving guys like Michael Parsons a little bit more time. But yeah, a three and one Dallas is the Giants one and three. I think they absolutely have to have this game if they want to compete in the NFC East playoff picture. I think if Dallas wins this game, you put yourself like too far behind. In the sense. I know it's still early in the year, but again, it's just like that tone with the Giants playing the Rams soon and the Chiefs in the foreseeable future. I know they have like the Panthers and the Raiders. Those are like must win games. But the Rams and the Chiefs, I mean, if like. I'm not going to sit here and say that the Giants like should win those games in the sense, you know, like those are going to be extremely tough games to pull out. So when you could get a game on a division, folks, especially one that's in first place, uh, it makes your playoff chances at least that much more higher. Whereas if you fall back to three games already, it's like Dallas is kind of rolling. You know what I mean? It's just more of a momentum thing. Again, it's like if you can't beat Dallas here, it's like how do you expect them to take over Dallas in the division if you can't beat him head to head? So I think that's something to look out for. I guess Kat will kind of wrap up with our game predictions i gave it last week so i'm gonna keep like i, I gotta keep on no i was gonna take him away because obviously you know what i mean i'm i'm gonna predict the giants to win i always will i'll give you a score too i think this week is a little bit more on the low scoring end i think the defense comes to play i'll still go with the final of 27 21 i think the giants squeeze it out in jerry's world i think late in the game Dak prescott has the ball but i'll go with the dory jackson stepping up steps in front of amari cooper on a hitch route uh, for an interception to seal the game. So I'm going to lean with the Giants in this. And uh, yeah, I hope that I have that feeling when I woke up on Monday morning again, just knowing that we were victorious. Yeah, last week, I think I would have been on the same page with you riding with the Giants, but I just think the Cowboys are too good. Even coming from a Giants fan, I got to be realistic of what we could do. I think we're going to cover the spread. I think we can keep the game close, but I think that offense is too high powered and with a uh, with the pass rush that we've had to show so far this season, they're going to put up a lot of points. I'd say that the Cowboys went 30 to 27 this week. Yeah. Listen, I think that that's a bit like they just dropped, I think 36 points on the Carolina Panthers, whose defense was great through the first three weeks. So I think if the giants, if the giants defense does not come to play, I think they put themselves way behind the eight ball and uh, might be too much for the offense to overcome, but that's going to do it for today's episode hat. I appreciate you coming on. I know obviously just as passionate of a Giants fan as us and all of us listening. So i uh, love to hear you, and I'm expecting you to come back on the future and hopefully after the Giants win this week in Dallas. Yeah, it's always great to be here on the podcast, and I'm rooting for the Giants for sure, even with my prediction. So I'm excited to watch the game this week and see how we can do. Yeah, all hail the New York Giants. I'm pumped for this week, but that's going to do it. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.